Hey man, welcome back to the Super Divorce Supercast. Nicholas Villar is here, aka Super Divorce, and we are uh, here today for the 108th time on this podcast. Episode 108. That's what we're doing right now. Just kicking things off here. What better way to kick things off than to crack open an ice-cold beverage? Now, I don't have beer today. We're not doing a beer me segment because it's too early in the day. And I do not intend to begin day drinking. Not today. Not at noontime on July 3rd. Maybe if it were the 4th. But it's not. So... What we're going to do now is crack open a spin drift sparkling water and real squeezed fruit or squoze fruit. I like to say squoze, squozen. This is made with brewed tea and real lemon. It's like um, an unsweetened half tea, half lemon beverage. So it's like uh, an Arnold Palmer with no sugar. And no kind of crazy artificial flavors or anything like that. So I'm just gonna, I, I already know that I love these. I already know that. It's not a mystery. I could have built it up like it was a mystery. Like it was suspenseful. And like I didn't know if it was going to taste good or not. But I already know it tastes good. I know it tastes fantastic. Just picked up two more cases. Well, what a case usually implies like 24 or 30 when you're talking about cans. Uh, whatever they come in. Yep, something just fell down. A six or 12 pack? I don't remember. An eight pack? I can't recall. Whatever the shit. I got three boxes of them upstairs. I already had one, and we got two more. So. (sighs) Hold on. You always got to swish it around. It, uh, when you take a drink of something, if you don't swish it around properly, then I don't feel like it hits all the taste buds. You don't get the full flavor. Some people think that that's a bad habit. I think it's necessary because I like taste my tastes when I'm tasting something. I like to taste the taste. So you got to swish it around, swish it and slosh it. Maybe it's not polite, but it's not as bad as smacking your lips or chomping, crunching really loud. When you take a bite of a chip, some people, they crunch uh, so vigorously with their mouths open that chips start falling out. You know, you ever seen that? Someone grabs like four potato chips and they crunch them and then they're chewing with their mouths open and they're just chomping and, and, and chips as they breathe are kind of, they, they like sparkle out of their mouth, like, like flecks of dust. You could, if you shone a ray of sunshine down on the table, you would see these flecks and speckles of potato chips just launching through the air and kind of cascading down through the sun, uh, as if they were little, little specks of dust, but they're not. They're chips. And they're getting everywhere because this person can't keep their mouth closed when they're eating. And that's not too good. 
So don't do that. I implore you to have a great 4th of July. Enjoy yourself. Enjoy your cookouts and your meals and your barbecues. Have some chips. I recommend some Mike Sells potato chips. Just classic Mike Sells potato chips dipped in Dean's Dip. Um, I'm going to uh, see some fireworks tonight at a local fireworks display, kind of a community celebration they always do on the 3rd. And then going to another fireworks display tomorrow night at the local amusement park, Kings Island. They're staying open extra late on the 4th of July. And uh, so... Depending on how busy it is, may ride some some dark roller coasters, roller coasters in the dark, which is always fun, especially the Beast. If you ever get a chance, if you're out at Kings Island here in Ohio, not Cedar Point, that's the one up north, Kings Island's down here towards Cincy. If you ever get a chance to visit Kings Island, Make sure you stay until it gets dark and you ride the beast at night. I don't know if it's still the longest wooden roller coaster, but it was for a long time. Now, it'll it'll beat you up. It'll toss you around. It's been there since the 70s. And it moves very quickly and it's very rough. It's a very rough ride and very fast and very long. Um, it goes back into the woods, you see. That's the coolest thing about it. That's why you got to go at night. Because when, when you take off, you tick, 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 tick up the first big hill. When you're still in the well-populated region of the park, you know, you can still see the lights and and all the uh, the other passengers, well, soon-to-be passengers waiting. And, and uh, you start tick, tick, ticking up the hill. You can see the whole park spread out before your eyes. All the lights lit up just nice. All the neon lights on on the various rides because they got it decorated just so. And you go down that first hill and you're out of civilization. Now you're back in into the backwoods, into the back rooms. You're flying through the woods at breakneck pace being jostled and and flipped this way and that. And you never know what's going to happen. I mean, you are in the woods. I'm not exaggerating. Uh, The track goes through the woods. That's the way that this roller coaster was built. And when you're back there, it's not like they've got lights along the way. It is nearly pitch black dark. You're being being just uh, blasted through a woodland area, through the forest. And I hope that they they have to, because I've thought about this before. They have to have some sort of crew who routinely go back there and check for coyotes, deer. Because I've always wondered, uh, the, the track gets pretty low in some areas. So I've always wondered, how do they make sure that deer... Don't uh, uh, don't fuck around back here. 
that a wolf, not wolf, we don't have wolves here, coyotes, that a coyote has never jumped up onto the track and been just blasted. I've always wondered about that. They've got to have some sort of uh, critter crew who goes back there to check and make sure that everything is, is a-okay, tip-top shape, because you wouldn't want any sort of wild animals to jump up on the track and uh, get in the way of the, uh, the coaster car. Especially something big like a buck. Can you imagine that? You're screaming through the woods. You got that front seat. And you know the guy is not going to move out of the way. They just don't. Um, imagine that. You come down the hill and waiting at the bottom is a big deer staring at you. I mean, that, that you might die. You might die. If it was a tall deer, it was a big buck, the coaster car is not very, not very tall itself. So, you know, that, that coaster car, that might knock him around the knees and you might get a big deer torso right in your face, which could pop, that might take your damn head off. So I hope that there's a critter crew back there checking to make sure every night, maybe they got guys, they send a crew back there with night vision goggles. It's like an assassination mission. They have to go through there every night. They don't talk about it because they don't want people to feel bad. They don't want people to, to think about this when they're at the, the park having fun, getting ready to go on their fun coaster. They don't want this in the mind of the consumers and the customers, the, the guests. They don't want the guests thinking about this. They don't, want to, they don't want people to think about that. They don't want people to think, for me to ride this ride safely, they've got to send a night vision equipped crew out into these woods every evening after the park closes down and they just they just clear them out they clear out anything that's alive back there like a just a, just an assault team running back there just laying waste to anything and everything stay out of the woods near kings island at night because you might be dealt with by the cleanup crew. So, uh, word of the wise there. Anyway, that's what I got going on. Doing some swimming, doing a cookout tomorrow, and then in the evening going out to the, uh, the fireworks display at the local amusement park. And I hope to ride rides, and I hope to not get hit in the face by a deer. Ah, this past weekend... Uh, just, um, that was on Saturday, went to the Taylor Swift Eras Tour, which was incredible. Quite incredible. I can't think of any event that I've been to that matches the intensity, the fanfare, the energy level. I mean, from the time she stepped on stage, that that energy did not drop down. There was no lull in the action, except for like in between eras, let's say. You got like maybe 15 to 30 seconds where she would disappear. 
she goes and changes outfits, costume very quickly, and then they've they you know uh, usher in like a, a new set, you know, reveal a new a new stage set, much like they would do in a play when they're changing scenes, you know, uh, but very elaborate and very uh, very entertaining, very much so. But there was no, but I, I wouldn't even consider that like a lull in the action because it's still like people aren't screaming, but you can still feel the anticipation because you know, here she comes. She's, she's getting ready to come back with a brand new outfit to celebrate a, a new era. Which one's it going to be? So even when she disappears, there's still a buzz, still that buzz in the air. And it didn't stop for about three and a half hours. And it was amazing, and I never once found myself thinking, oh God, I hope this is over soon. No one did. The closest thing that I can say that I've ever attended to the Taylor Swift Eras tour is going to WrestleMania. I mean, that kind of huge buzz uh, and electricity and excitement. But you know what? I would say this. Even in even as enthusiastic as wrestling fans are and as fun as going to WrestleMania is, you still hit those points where I feel like, okay, we're going to relax for a minute. They've got eh, usually, you hate to admit it, there are going to be some some downer spots on the card at Mania, at WrestleMania. There's usually a time or two when you, you feel like, okay, I'm going to sit down now. I'm going to take a little breather. Here's my bathroom break time. Now, I had to use the restroom at the Taylor Swift show. And uh, it was like I wanted to get there and back as quickly as possible. There was no leisurely stroll. And you could see the same thing. Other people running to the bathroom and running back to their seats because you didn't want to miss a second of it. Never experienced that anywhere else. Any other concert I've been to, um, that sense of urgency, that sense of not wanting to miss a single second, even for bands that I love, it's like okay, I'll be alright if I if I take off here. You choose a song that you're not like a huge fan of, excuse yourself, go get your beer, go get your merchandise, whatever. Um, and you don't feel too bad. This, I didn't want to miss a second and no one else in the place did either. And it was quite inspiring. I must say it gave me the inspirado and the motivation and drive to play out again, which I've not felt in a long time. It was like, man, I could, I could get back into this. Not that I'm selling out Paycor Stadium or anything, but just the idea of being on stage and doing so, I would say, with a fresh mindset. Because something clicked for me when I was watching that, and I was like, you know, there's such a connection between Taylor Swift and the Swifties, of which I am one. No problem admitting that. I saw... A guy walking by and he had a shirt on that said uh, Swifty by marriage. Not me. I am a Swifty by choice. 
No shame at all in that. Um, but I was thinking as I was watching her and and uh, and just this this excitement and the connection between her and the fans and a sense of joy and the atmosphere is just just electric and positive and and fun and exciting and i thought back to my time playing in bands and being on stage and not that i have regrets but i must admit that like connection and, and things with the audience was never my strong suit except for the last show that I played with the Great American Beast when we got back together about a year and a half ago and did uh, just kind of a one-off reunion show if you will we played uh, it was the first time that we had played together in like a decade literally um, and it was uh, it was probably the best show that I had ever played from a crowd participation standpoint it was very very fun i had a great time interacting with that crowd that night and people were really really there to have a good time uh it was just good vibes we play with mostly punk bands that night so it's not like we really fit in being like a kind of southern hardcore band you know if you've never listened to the great american beast we sounded very much inspired by like every time I die, uh, the big dirty era, and Maylene and the Sons of Disaster, that kind of shit. So we didn't really fit in with with like a bunch of punk bands, but everyone who was there was was awesome, and they had a good time, and we had a good time playing, and I felt more connected, I think, to that crowd than I did my own bandmates because it had been so long since we played together, and you know, anyone who has played with a group of musicians over an extended period of time knows that you you start to form a, a brotherhood, a bond. And it becomes really strong when you're traveling together, when you're playing together, when you're hanging out all the time. And then to take like 10 years off where we talk to each other very sparsely during that period and then you get back together and you practice a couple times and then you go and play a show. It just feel it, to me it felt like there was a a spark missing. Understandably so, because it's tough to go from being together all the time, playing together all the time, uh, getting that chemistry firing on all cylinders, taking a decade off and then trying to recreate that just on one night out of the blue it's kind of a tall task i mean maybe some bands do it no problem but for us i felt like it was just uh it just felt kind of strange but anyway i, I what i was saying is that uh i felt like my interaction with the audience that night was the highlight for me as opposed to being back on stage and playing these old songs we used to play all the time for me the highlight was was getting up there and having fun with people which isn't something that i focused on a lot back in the day maybe being on youtube has helped me with that just talking shooting the shit i didn't really do a lot of banter unless i was really drunk and then i would end up talking shit about other bands we were playing with and and uh 
got myself into trouble a few times and made some enemies within the scene, whatever. Um, I never gave a single shit about being a scene band, being one of the cool bands. Like, you know, uh, we just wanted to do our own thing. We had a very, the Great American Beast anyway, we had a very kind of standoffish and lone wolf mentality when it comes, when it came to like how we, uh, how we interacted with other groups around us, other bands playing on, on shows with us. We never really were the social butterfly types. We'd show up, load in, um, and then go hang out by our van and, and probably drink a lot. And then we'd go and play and then we'd disappear. We weren't really like the type of band who would hang out, watch all the other bands play, mingle a bunch. We just didn't do that. I guess it wasn't really in our personality, most of us. I always liked talking to like fans, people who enjoyed watching us. But I think that our demeanor on stage being kind of wild and crazy, uh, especially me kind of appearing, I would say, adversarial at times angry on stage that kind of intense energy that's kind of what i was going for this real wild man rolling around uh throwing my mic end up bleeding by the end of shows quite often i can see how people might have been like a little intimidated to come up and say something because you don't you like that guy's nuts you know, I don't. I don't want to go and talk to that person, even if I even if I enjoyed watching him. You can see how people might be like, "Uh, I'm good from back here." I can understand that. In the future, I think I'd like to. I'd like to portray a little bit different energy. You know, I've I've done the hardcore. I've played my metal shows. Not saying I'm an old man. Not saying that I'm I'm ready to. To go up there and just stand stick still at the microphone. But I would like to go up and, and portray a more welcoming and uh, and jovial sort of vibe. You know? I'd like to invite people to partake of the experience with me. And have a good time. Give people a good time. Put on a good show. A fun, energetic show but also one that, that doesn't make people feel put off. And I guess that would make sense because I'm not going to be whatever next uh, the next album is, is not going to be like a hardcore album. Now, if I were doing another hardcore album, if I ended up, say, doing a project like that, then I probably would present that type of uh, stage persona. I probably would go to that because that's... I feel like that fits that type of music. Um, but for the type of stuff I want to do, a little poppier, just a little, uh, a little lighter in tone, I think a more welcoming experience is, uh, is just the ticket. So I'm thinking about that now as I look to the future, imagining... A time when I take to the stage again. Not sure when that's going to be. But I'm thinking about it more now than I have in a long time. If you would have asked me last week 
If you would have asked me like earlier in the day before I went to that concert, hey, you thinking about playing any shows anytime soon? I probably would be like, eh, not really. No, I don't really miss it. Why? Why? Why wasn't I missing it? I think I figured that out. I think being at that show made me realize why I wasn't missing playing live and it's because there wasn't anything going on there, really. Uh, It was like me getting up and making a spectacle of myself without trying to make sure that the audience, the people watching, were having a fun time. I I, I, I mean, I, I feel silly that I never took the time to think about it that way before. But, you know, I guess I was inspired by a certain type of musician in a certain scene. I was watching certain front men that I liked. And I guess originally when I got on stage, I was trying to kind of uh, recreate that. That's just what you do when you start out. I feel like it's natural to to mimic the people that you're inspired by and people who was I inspired by uh, like Henry Rollins and uh, and dudes like that where it's like not the most inviting fellows Henry Rollins wasn't necessarily on stage trying to make sure that everyone went home with a smile on their face he was up there for for intensity and to, to give people a show in that sense where it's like, look how hard this dude's going. And that's what I tried to emulate. I tried to push myself to where, what do I want, what do I want people to, to take away from this performance? I want them to take away from it that they're seeing someone giving 110% of their energy and their vitality. They're up there trying to kill it, trying to blow the energy level uh, of all the other bands out of the water. That's what I wanted to do. I was trying to make all the other bands that we played with on any given night look like little babies. That's like where my head was at. It was never about how can I how can I bring the fans into this performance? How can I how can I make these people watching feel like they're part of something here? It was very it was very separate. It's not something I did intentionally, but looking back I can see that very clearly. So coming at it from that other place is exciting to me. It's, it seems like an exciting challenge. I look forward to getting on stage again and doing it a bit differently than I've ever done it before. So, yeah. Anyway, let's see. Uh, so the, the Swift concert, anyway, amazing. All three and a half hours all the eras, just top-level performance. And the seats that we got, seats, I say with air quotes because I did not sit down a single time. I couldn't believe it. We were seven rows back from the stage. Some of the pictures and videos I got, I mean, I, I wanted to film the entire thing because we were so close, but I had to like limit myself to just getting a little bit like a chorus of each song almost. 
And then I'd put my phone down because I didn't want my entire experience of that show and all of my memories to be of me just looking through my phone and seeing it, you know, on a screen. So I was making sure to put the phone away and watch with my own eyes for as much as possible. I did record the complete performance of All Too Well. She played the 10 minute version. I, I got that entire performance. But most of the other songs, I, just, I got a little bit here and there, and I tried to watch through my own eyes, have my own experience, and um, you know, I think that that was uh, that was the right thing to do. In hindsight, I kind of wish I had recorded even less, because I still feel like I, I spent too much time looking through my my phone screen, but it is what it is. I got uh, I got enough footage. I'm gonna put together a nice little montage. Maybe I'll upload it sometime. Maybe I'll just keep it for myself. I don't know. But I got some good footage, some good pictures, and these tickets, man, incredible, absolutely amazing. My wife was going to surprise me with tickets to this concert back uh, for Christmas. That's right around the time that these uh, these uh, tickets went on sale but they sold out immediately so she didn't think we'd get a go the resale prices just became absurd and long story short a couple days before the show Jess saw on Facebook someone had posted they had some tickets they were trying to get rid of so she messaged this lady they had a back and forth 99% 99% sure that it was a scam. A lot of sketchy stuff. I won't give you the whole story. But that exchange turned out to be seemingly fraudulent. Uh, this lady wanted my wife to pay her before she would give us the tickets, before um, you know we have any real proof that, uh, that the tickets were going to come through. She wouldn't use PayPal. Uh, she wouldn't use... Venmo, she wouldn't secure the purchase. It was all basically like we were supposed to trust her. Ah, no, no, no. Deal with a little too much money here. So then the next day, my wife was tattooing a lady, and during the course of this uh uh this tattoo session, I guess, you know, the Taylor Swift concert came up, and my wife's client knew someone who had two tickets that uh, she was trying to get rid of. And there you go. Those are the tickets we ended up with. And had no idea they were going to be as good as they were. I mean, the deal that we got on these things, we the lady sold these tickets to my wife at cost when she could have made a lot of money. A lot. So beyond my wildest dreams i i yeah couldn't have asked for a, a better surprise there it was pretty awesome so now anytime taylor comes back i'm i feel like that spoiled me i'm gonna be like how do we get tickets like comparable to where we were the first time on the era's tour how can we get down there now i feel like that's what i'm gonna need to do every single time but I don't know if it's going to be possible. I don't know. 
we'll have to see. I'll, I'll definitely try my hardest. But uh, that's what I got up to this past weekend, and it's been a while since the last cast. It looks like the last one was at the end of May. So since then, done a few streams, a few Lego streams. Did one live from uh, a place called the Sitcom Suites. Some of you might have joined in for that one, where my wife and I stayed at uh, the... It's like a mock version of Monica's apartment from Friends. They got this place, I would say about a half hour away from us here. And the Sitcom Suites... It's like a four apartment building and each apartment is made to look like, you know, the set of a, a different sitcom. So we stayed in Monica's apartment from Friends and then they've got one that looks like Jerry's apartment from Seinfeld. And there's also a Schitt's Creek apartment and Golden Girls. And these these places have been made up to look like as spot on as you can get uh, without having every single wall in the exact same place. And, and obviously you're not dealing with the exact same uh, uh, size dimensions and things like that. But I mean, when you walked into Monica's apartment and uh, you go down the short little hallway, look to your left and it's like you just walked in to Monica's kitchen dining room area they had the living room they had the same painting on the wall they had the uh the big window over on the left where you look through and you see ugly naked guy across the way i mean it was it was just incredible the attention to detail they put into this and apparently you can rent out the entire building which i think would be fun to do sometime what's going on over there this dog rolling around the floor like doing some stupid shit um i think it'd be really fun to rent out the entire building have you know friends stay in each one do uh they've got uh patios and and decks on all the apartments you know have a sort of a uh, little party there but look into that if you're in the area looking for something cool to do check out the sitcom suites in uh cincinnati ohio a lot of good restaurants within walking distance, a uh, cool little record shop you can go to, a comic store right down the street. A lot of cool stuff there, but that was neat. We did that uh, back on June 10th. If you want to watch the stream, I, I showed uh, the view of, you know, a, a little small little tour around the apartment if you'd like to check that out. Uh, you can go and look at that for yourself. And uh, also in the world of Lego sets that we've built here, on live streams back on june 17th we finished up the seinfeld lego set and got to pick out a new one to do soon got to get back to our lego streams don't know what we're going to do next just thinking about other sitcoms that they could make lego sets out of how about cheers would you do a cheers set that'd be a cool one the Cheers bar. And how about the always, It's Always Sunny bar? That would be a, go, a good little Lego set. Perhaps a bit too, would you say, uh, adult-oriented in its subject matter. I don't know if they would go for that. I don't know if Lego would do that. 
But uh, you could do that. You could do uh, that 70s show, their basement. That'd be neat. How about the Simpsons house? Or maybe Moe's, the Quickie Mart, Quickie Stop. One of the two, whatever it was. I haven't watched Simpsons in a long time. Um, quality supposedly really gone down on that show. Could go back and watch the older episodes, I suppose. But I haven't seen a single clip from recent Simpsons episodes that makes me say, I gotta watch that. If anything, any Simpsons clip that I've seen go viral, if you will, for the past several years has always been like how cringe it is. Look how awful The Simpsons is now. And it like makes me want to stay far away from modern Simpsons. I don't know what happened. Do they have uh, like different writers on the team now? I don't understand how that happens. How do you have a show that's so good for so long and then it hits this point where it's just like, I mean, it's still the original creators there, right? Matt Groening, Groening, and you've got the original voice cast, right? So you would think if you, if you start taking this dip in quality, you might be like, you know what we need to do? We need to kind of reverse course here. Let's, let's restore system settings back to the last good configuration. Why wouldn't you do that? Why would you continue driving the show further and further into the ground, ruining the legacy? When you can see very clearly there's like a, a drop-off point. I was looking at a chart of the ratings recently. I think it might have been on Metacritic or IMDb, something like that. It's like maybe around season 11 or 12, it just like, it goes off a cliff and it stays down there and it just flatlines. And this thought occurred to me, it was like, well, what, what, why not course correct? Like you were able to have one of the, the most revered, beloved shows ever to be put on television for many years. It's not like they had one good season and uh, they got lucky. It's like they had a formula that was working really well and then they said, ah, let's not do that anymore. What if we just made the show shit? What if we tried making the show shit for about 20 years? Like, why would you do that? What are you guys doing over there? Simpsons HQ. <sighs> Since the last episode of the Supercast, I have played 24 video games. I believe I counted correctly. Around, let's just say around 24. Um, counting demos of games. Here are the top five. Here are my favorite. My fave five that I played since last we talked here on the Supercast. Poop Killer 7. From 616 Games, the continuation of one of my favorite uh, video game series now, Poop Killer, which, you know, I, uh, I've i said this. Anytime Poop Killer comes up, I always say, I want Poop Killer to be the first franchise to have 100 entries in the series. I think that would be fantastic. Anytime I comment, because I, I subscribe to them on uh, 
Patreon. Six sixteen games. Anytime a new poop killer comes out, I always have to mention. All right, one closer one hundred. Six sixteen games has to make one hundred poop killer games. It'd be amazing. I don't think anyone's done it yet. Not even not even Final Fantasy with all the tie-ins and the mobile games and tactics and remakes. I I bet they haven't hit a hundred yet. Maybe fifty. You might have 50 games in the uh, the Final Fantasy Pantheon. But you're not going to have 100 yet. And I don't think anyone will. I think that Poop Killer has a chance to be the first series to hit 100. Uh, Honest-to-God entries. Not talking about side pieces. Uh, not talking about remakes. I'm talking about Poop Killer numbers 1 through... 100 and then they also have poop killer origins so you could say 101 entries and then call it there or maybe move onwards towards a thousand who knows but poop killer if you're not familiar with it here's the premise usually you're working as an employee at some business one of your customers will come in ask to use the restroom shit either on the floor or shit so much that they clog the toilet and leave, which summons the poop killer. The poop killer is summoned when uh, someone clogs the toilet, when someone shits on the floor. The poop killer shows up and he will typically kill uh, either the, the worker that you're playing as or he'll kill, you know, maybe a co-worker or a friend of yours with an actual turd. Usually he he will throw a big piece of shit and uh, this is kind of kind of a theme, kind of a recurring theme in poop killer games. You'll see a, a side view of the shit piece spinning head over heels, top over bottom, spinning through the air in slow motion and uh, and then you'll see it smack someone in the face or maybe hit them in the eye kind of impaling them and then they'll die and then it's up to you to defeat the poop killer typically they uh, offer at least three endings three different endings and usually pretty entertaining so if you haven't checked out poop killer do so you can find poop killer on itch dot i o or if you go on patreon and you subscribe to the 616 games patreon account then you can download all their games for the low low price of i think five dollars a month you don't even have to buy them individually you pay that fee and you can download every game that 616 has put out which is quite a few seven poop killer games and then a bunch of other ones great value Another great value is the Puppet Combo Patreon. And I didn't put this on here because I was only listing actual full games I played. But uh, speaking of Puppet Combo, they released a demo for a game called Sniper Killer, which was fantastic. A great demo. One of the greatest greatest, uh, uh, game demos that I have played. It's awesome. It's a big, beefy, chunky demo. 
probably an hour, hour and a half worth of content there. And in this game, it's interesting because you're playing as both the killer and the person chasing the killer. In the demo, you play as a reporter named Gale. I pointed out in my playthrough that uh, reminded me of Gale Weathers from the Scream series. But you're playing as a reporter who's uh, tracking down the poop killer. Not the poop killer, the sniper killer. Sorry. The sniper killer. And then the sniper killer... Uh, you you play as um, you actually have to uh, in the demo go to a carnival and you can take your pick you have to make your way up to uh, sort of a high vantage point you can either get on the ferris wheel you can get on the sort of drop tower drop zone type ride or you can get on the roller coaster and whichever one you choose you have to shoot your target while on the ride. Obviously, doing that from the roller coaster is going to be the the most difficult. I would say that uh, the um, the Ferris wheel is probably the easiest because it's the slowest moving at a regular pace. The drop tower, if you time it correctly, can be easy. But if, if you don't time it correctly and, and, you know, you line your shot up and then you drop down to the ground before you get the shot off, then that can be kind of annoying. So I'd recommend figuring out how to get on top of the, uh, get up there on the, the Ferris wheel. There's a little bit of a challenge to it, but I won't spoil it for you. If you want to find out how to do that, then you can watch my playthrough. All right. But uh, yeah, check out the Sniper Killer demo. You can find that on Steam or... As I said, on the Puppet Combo Patreon. Another one of those fantastic deals where if you sign up and you just join for a month, you get access to their entire catalog of games. So that's a tremendous value right there. Uh, If you were going to buy one of them, you might as well just sign up for their Patreon and download as many as you want. I I think it'd be kind of a shitbag thing to do to sign up and then just cancel after you download all their their shit you'd want to stay um you'd want to stay with them as a subscriber i think because then when new games come out you're among the first to download them you get them right there usually they appear on the the patreon page before they're up on steam or on itch so i think that that's worth it now next in my top five of games that i've played since the last time we spoke the game of Annie. This was an interesting one. I did not expect this game to be as fun or as legit as it was. Imagine The Last of Us, but with with big ass titties and uh, and skimpy outfits. That's the game of Annie. You play as you know an attractive lady. You can you can modify her outfits. You can actually uh, make her as thick in the booble region and the acular region as you want to, or as skinny. You know you kind of choose your size dimensions. You can you can uh, make her your ideal woman, and then you can dress her up. You can unlock new outfits. There's a lot of shit to unlock in this game. Outfits, accessories, 
Then there's like a yoga studio where you can use points from the game to unlock uh, different yoga poses. Strictly for, for educational purposes. For when you want to do yoga, of course. That's why they put that in there. So if you want to learn new yoga poses, then you unlock them. And then you can make your, your character from the game perform the yoga pose on your screen. And then, of course, what you would do from that point is get up from your computer desk and you would, uh, you would do yoga. That's why they put that in there. So you can do yoga right along with your, your character. And then there's a, a dance party. There's like a little dance, uh, dance hall that you can go to and you can unlock new dance moves. Same deal. Why would you do that? It's so that you can learn how to dance. That's it. Totally innocent and just for educational purposes. You can make your character dance and you can become a better dancer yourself. So it's it's quite the instructional game. Yoga, dancing, outfits. Why would you have that? Why would you dress this character up in all these different outfits? Uh, it's so that uh, you can get fashion ideas for yourself or for someone that you love your wife your girlfriend maybe yourself i don't know you could try but there's a lot to unlock there's a lot to do and the gameplay surprisingly solid surprisingly pretty good i was going to say not too bad but it's actually pretty good it is a surprisingly good Last of Us clone with this kind of this like sexy sugar coating over top of it. And I was like, I did not expect this. I expected this to be a broken uh, piece of scraps. That's what I was expecting. I was expecting to just be be chopping all over the map just to be jittering and stuttering and to have enemies disappearing and flying up into the air. That didn't happen. It was a well-constructed Last of Us clone, complete with crafting and different weapons, um, upgrades. I mean, it, it, it's got it all. And it's, and it's got the, the sexiness to it. So, I was shocked. The Game of Annie. Check that out. If you were disappointed by The Last of Us 2... This, the game of Annie, is the sequel that The Last of Us deserves. Okay? Next up, number three, uh, The Return of La Llorona. This was, I guess you would call it like a throwback PSX type uh, uh as far as visuals go first person game where you are washed up on a beach and you've got to uh you've got to escape la llorona she starts chasing you there are several buildings on this little island and what you've got to do is you've got to uh you got to find either a key to escape or you have to light all the candles on the island 
And then there was a third ending that I did not get. I think it has something to do with collecting certain little trinkets, like uh, like a doll, a uh, spinning top. What else did I find? Uh, I think like a teddy bear, some other shit, some other little knickknacks. And I was like, I don't know what to do with these. I didn't figure that out, but I didn't play it for too, too long. I got the key to escape through the gate. That was like one ending. And I had lit basically all the candles almost. I think I was maybe missing a couple. And then I, I unlocked a door and I escaped out through this gate and that was it. I didn't realize I was ending the game by doing it. So word word to the wise there. If you decide to try the return of La Llorona, if you find the key to a gate near the perimeter of the uh, the island and you open that up and walk through, then you're going to get one of the endings. So if you've put in a bunch of work going around and, and lighting candles while staying away from La Llorona who's chasing you, uh, if you want the candle ending, don't go through the gate. Don't do that. But that game was really fun. The thing I liked about it is that it's one of these escape the killer type games. You're going to be chased basically nonstop. Um, however, if you get caught, it's not like an instant death. It's not like an instant jump scare, dead, you got to start all, all the way over at the beginning again. It's not like that. I think you get, I don't want to say, is it between three and five? I don't remember how many. You get several chances, let's say that. They're, they've got like a um, these little sugar skull icons that appear up on the top of your screen that kind of count as your health, you could say. So if La Llorona catches up to you and attacks you, it takes away a sugar skull. If you lose all of them, then yes, you die. However, there are floating sugar skulls all around the island that you can kind of go and uh, use to replenish your health. There aren't an endless number of them. You can deplete them at a certain point, but I feel like they're placed pretty generously. It's it's fair. It's fair. And you can make it harder. There's, you know, there are multiple difficulty levels, but I just played on normal and I, I was like, this difficulty is like perfect. Some of these chase style horror games in the world of indie titles, I feel like can be a little bit too uh, intense, tilted a little bit too much in favor of the killer. And, and that can piss me off, especially if it's the kind of thing where you have to put in a lot of work to escape from someplace or to uh, find your way into someplace and you're being pursued the entire time. And it's like you get caught one time and you're dead. That shit just, that drives me up the damn wall. So I like this system that they set up in the return of La Llorona. A lot of fun. Very cool visually. Um, and the gameplay was just solid. Just really great. Uh, I can't say anything bad about that one, really. Next up, number two. Slayers X Terminal Aftermath Vengeance of the Slayer on PC is what I played that one on. Got that one on Xbox Game Pass. I don't know if it's still on there. I think it is if you have Game Pass. 
uh, check that one out. And if you have Game Pass and you did not know this, which I didn't uh, initially, Game Pass translates to the PC as well. So games that are available for both Xbox and PC, if you have the Game Pass, you can play it on either one. So I actually have this game downloaded to my PC and my Series X uh, because um, I thought my son would like to play it. It's a lot of fun. First-person shooter in the style of Duke Nukem, Serious Sam, way over the top, uh, one-liners from the from the guy you play as, and just a, it's, it's one of those throwback boomer shooters with some fun CG cutscenes that really harken back to, you know, late 90s, early 2000s era, over-the-top voice acting, just bombastic, lots of different types of enemies, lots of different weapons to use, just a lot of fun. Great environments, you know, a lot of cool different set pieces, just a, a treat to play through. So check that one out if you're looking for something just high octane, balls to the wall, shoot them up, kill them all, that kind of that kind of thing. Check it out. I think you'll dig it. And finally, game that just came out last week, AEW Fight Forever, probably my my number one game of the past month. I didn't know if I was going to like it. A lot of the videos that I had seen leading up to the release and the trailers and stuff and some of the gameplay footage looked really jerky and, and just um, a little underwhelming. There were all these allusions to the old school games like WCW versus NWO Revenge and WrestleMania 2000 and No Mercy and people were saying it was going to be like that. But the gameplay that I had seen just didn't look like that to me. After playing it, I can say that, no, it's not exactly like those games. It moves quite a bit faster. It is a bit jerkier. But it's still fun. It's a fun arcade-style wrestling game. And it's got a cool creative player. It's got a, a nice story mode in it. The uh, Road to the Elite. You know you've got your champions in the game. And you can play just regular exhibition matches and, and make them title matches, which is neat. It keeps track of your champions, the list of champions you've had in the past. I always like that feature in the old games when you could click on your championship belt and you could see all the different title changes over time. They've put that in there. The only thing that I don't like, not the only thing, but I would say my biggest complaint is that the entrances are only like five or ten seconds long. So your guy comes out on the stage, you hear his music playing, and a little uh, prompt will come up on the screen where you can like you can hit different buttons to cause different pyro to go off and smoke and all kinds of stuff. You can change the camera angle. But it only gives you like five to ten seconds to do it, and then the entrance is over, and then it moves on to the next guy. So it's like you get you get your wrestler walking out onto the stage, you get like this little snippet of music playing, 
and you've got to scramble to hit your pyro and to make the camera change angles and then it's done. And I feel like one of the best things about wrestling games, one of the things that people have always looked forward to since they started putting entrances in wrestling games back in the day with like WrestleMania 2000 and the uh, SmackDown games is you used to love watching that, that entrance animation. I always did. And I know people did in the past. It's always been, it was always one of the first things to leak online. It was one of the things they would use to promote games back in the day is you would see, Oh, Goldberg's entrance has leaked on a Kazaa for this upcoming game or the new, the new triple H entrance with the DX music playing leaked online and you would download it and watch it. And people would share that, that kind of stuff and would get the hype building up with this. What are you going to do with five to 10 seconds of an entrance? You want to see the whole thing as a wrestling fan. You want to be able to go through that entire, uh, you know, that entire sequence. I, I don't know why they did that. It feels like a cut corner to me. It feels like that was a way they could save time. It does not seem like anything you would do because it was a feature you were offering players. Well, what we wanted to do is, is get people right into the action. They'd probably say something like that. They probably would not be forthcoming about the fact that, well, we kind of ran out of time. The game was already behind schedule and over budget. And if we would have put the entire entrance in for each person, then it would have whatever made the game take this much longer and we we couldn't do that that's probably what they would say if they were shooting straight with you the story you would probably get now is like i just said well we wanted to offer the player a quick entrance experience so they could get right into the action bullshit uh maybe at some point they'll do the right thing and patch that in they'll patch in the extended entrances i highly doubt it but it would be cool if they do a an AEW Fight Forever 2. I think that extended full entrances would definitely be appreciated by the fans. At least by this one. At least by me. So, there you go. Those are my top five games I've played since last we spoke. Oh, and I forgot to mention one other demo that was fun that you should check out. The Toxic Crusaders demo. Side-scrolling, beat em up. Great. A lot of fun. Look it up on Steam. Check it out. It might be on other platforms, too. I didn't uh, bother to look. Sorry. But you can check. Check and see. That one was done by the same developer who uh, did the AVGN games, which are actually really fun. If you never played those, those are some great platformers. And, you know, that's about it for right now, guys. For your episode 108 of the Supercast. Not going to dilly-dally around too much here. Got some stuff to do. I'm working on a cover song. Not part of the next Super Divorce album, but just uh, something I'm going to put up here for fun. Having some technical difficulties, unfortunately, with my computer. So I'm trying to figure that out first. But once I get this issue sorted out then uh we'll be we'll be back in business and i hope to have this cover song up within the next couple weeks 
That's what I'm hoping for. Some new Super Divorce music, even though it is a cover song. It'll be the first new Super Divorce music in quite a long time. So I'm looking forward to that. I hope you are too. If you haven't done so, my friends, uh, please sub to the channel here on YouTube. Bong the gong for notifications so you know when new videos go live. So you know when I go live right now. Mostly that's on Tuesdays and Thursdays around 10.30 p.m. With Sega Mania Mania playing through some Sega games. And um, if you're listening elsewhere, whatever podcast platform you happen to be on, please sub there so that uh, when these new episodes come out, you get them. You don't have to go searching for them. They just appear for you. Appreciate your subs. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, you can do so at SuperDivorce on Instagram at SuperDivorceBand. And... As I just mentioned several minutes ago, I play music from time to time. So if you want to check out Super Divorce Tunes, you can do so streaming on Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, wherever you stream your horse shit, you can find Super Divorce. Just type in Super Divorce, click on the song you're choosing, and uh, check it out. If you don't like it, try another one. If you don't like that one, try another one again and again and again until you find something you do, you do like there because I think there's something for everyone. A little something for everybody there the super divorce catalog okay till next time everyone take real good care keep kicking ass love you lots lord willing i'll be back very soon with another video for you to watch Bye. -bye, -bye.